following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. So this morning, we come together and we are talking as a church about what does it mean to be a part of the church? What are some of the marks of, of the church, of our church? What does it mean when our church says that we believe uh, that our mission is very simple? To be transformed, we want to see people transformed by the power uh, of the gospel, transforming lives by the power of the gospel. Uh, that we don't want to, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, be about behavioral modification. We can modify behavior. Uh, we can change behavior. We can restrict behavior. We can punish behavior in order to get a different kind of behavior. But you can't touch the heart. It's that old joke about the little kid whose parents say, now sit down. And finally, she sat down. She goes, well, I may be sitting, but just know that inside I'm standing up. The threat of punishment got her to sit down, but the heart inside said, I'm still standing. You can't touch me inside. Well, God says this, I want to touch all of you. I want to transform who you are because out of the heart flows life. Out of that is your true identity. It is the wellspring of life. And as the wellspring of life, it needs to be guarded greatly for there is an enemy who wants to destroy it. It is precious to us and it is dangerous to him. And so we recognize the heart and we want this heart to be, as we said, chiseled away from the old stone and set and made right and new. Uh, that we want to live a different life, not for life as an end of itself state, but for Christ's sake, for what has transpired and happened to us. And so we've said that we want to be transformed, our lives transformed. And when we say that in the lives of our, our own families, that we want to see within that transformed life, the discipleship that we are going to do of following Christ, that we want to be individuals who celebrate Christ deeply. We heard that last week from Matt, uh, that we want to be celebrating, worshiping God. That's a part of a transformed life. A part of a transformed life is a person who celebrates his presence in their life. You show me a person who doesn't sing on Sunday morning, I'll show you a person with a spiritual problem. There's a disconnect somewhere deep down in us, because when you see God and Christ for who He is, it leads us to worship Him both on Sunday morning and throughout the week in our lives, how we live our lives, that He's worthy of that. It's also a life that we want to have renewed, that our minds need to be renewed, for our, not, our minds are influenced uh, by the world around us. And so we want the minds to be renewed by the power of God's Word. Not by manipulation, not by human invention, but by the power of God's word. That through his spirit applied to our lives changes us, transforms us. And that we want to live in deep community, what we talked about a little bit here. That we want to celebrate together. We want to cry together. We want to be known together. We want to live life together in a world that only offers uh, shallow. It can't offer deep. Because for me to give you deep would mean for me to expose and be vulnerable to you, my heart. And I can't do that because you could reject me. You could take, you could hurt me. And I can't do that. But the church says I won't reject you because I'm just like you. You think you're a mess? I'm just not going to flinch. Open up your closet, let all the skeletons out, and I promise you I won't flinch. Because so was I save the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we live within this honest, deep community together that you can't find anywhere else. Everywhere else, it's predicated on what you can offer, what you have. Here, it's absolutely not. 
And then we go out and we serve the needs of other people. We, we care for other people, for their spiritual, physical needs, emotional needs uh, that we serve. And so this morning we're highlighting in a few minutes that we have uh, this idea of renewing our minds uh, by uh, the gospel. And the text that we're going to look at is Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there with me and hear God's very word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by, great, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. May he add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of it. Amen. Stephen Um from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary said, the call to discipleship is a fundamental redirection of our human existence. It is a reorientation, an all-embracing turning about of our lives in order that our affections might be placed primarily upon Christ. So if you just want to change a little bit, now's a good time to leave. Because you see, Christianity and what Christ is offering isn't let me tweak one part of your life. Let me deal with one area of your life. That's all I want to be Lord over. I just want to be Lord of your money or I just want to be Lord uh, of your uh, sexual life. I just want to be Lord of your moral life. I just want to be Lord of your school life, of your business life. That's all I want. Uh, each of you gets to pick which one of those you give to me and the rest of it's up to you. He says, no, it's a full, total reorientation. Drop whatever you're doing and follow me. And he challenges us constantly in that. And it is a challenge. And it is the challenge of discipleship. It is the challenge of renewal. And so we're going to look at a couple of things this morning. One, the foundation for this renewal. There's a reason why we would want to have renewal in our lives. The quick relationship between renewal and celebration to see the interconnectedness of these component parts of our mission. The scope of renewal. How far does this renewal go? And then finally, what's the ultimate goal of renewal? Uh, so quickly, uh, the foundation for renewal. Verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. When you see therefore, you know by now to ask what? What's the therefore, therefore? Why is it there? If it's therefore, he's saying, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Interesting, by the mercies of God. Just those little five words, by the mercies of God. He's basically saying, based on everything that I've just said in chapters 1 through 11. 
Now present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Renew your minds and hearts based on something. When you're a parent and your kid says, Mom, Dad, why can't I do this? Your normal response is, because I said so. We don't want to give a reason. Oftentimes we don't have a reason. Uh, We just don't want you to do it. And so we say, because I said so. Actually, we have reasons all the time. Sorry, parents. uh, Pastor Bill said you didn't have a reason. No, we have reasons. But we, we just say that so often. And how do your children respond? How did you respond as a kid? Thank you, Mom and Dad. I appreciate your full disclosure of the motivations behind your behavior. Thank you. No, we resent it. God doesn't act that way. He says, I want you to renew your minds. I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I'm going to answer the why question because some of you are asking why. Why should I do this? Why should I be about it? Because chapters 1 through 11 have happened. The indicative always precedes the imperative. The indicative, this has happened. This has taken place. This is who you are. Now act imperative. Now do these things. The imperative doesn't come first. And so what we're going to see is a couple of things in this. Uh, One, that the foundation uh, is the fact uh, of the gospel in our lives. He says, by the mercies of God. What a great word, mercy. The mercy communicates a couple of things. One, it communicates compassion to the weak and reprieve to the guilty. Compassion to the weak and reprieve to the guilty. He says, by these mercies, so he's basically saying this, uh, you were weak and you were guilty. And God extended mercy to you. And this mercy came this way. If you go back into Romans chapter 3, and you look through chapter 3, you find probably what John Piper would call uh, the best paragraph in the entire Bible. Beginning in Romans 3, verse 21. And in it are three huge words. Propitiation, redemption, and justification. Three words you use regularly. Work in propitiation somewhere today. But he's saying this, don't forget that you were propitiated for. Don't forget that Christ was a propitiation. A propitiation is a covering that absorbs and repels the wrath of God. He's saying this, the reason that I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, renewing your hearts and minds to not be conformed to the world, is because there's no wrath for you. Because God has covered you in Christ Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane was not so afraid of the cross. He was much more afraid of his father's cup. Plenty of people had been nailed to a cross. Plenty of people had been hung. Plenty of people had been beaten and stripped publicly. But no one had stood before God and taken the entire cup of wrath given for God's chosen elect and drank every last drop of it. And Christ did. So you know how much wrath is left for you? Folks, not one drop is left for you. He says, therefore, because this has happened, because there's no wrath for you, there's discipline, but not wrath. There's discipline, but not judgment uh, in this. And there's redemption. Redemption simply means to deliver at a cost uh, or a price. That you've been redeemed from slavery. You've been redeemed from bondage to sin and death. And you are now free. So you have, you have now had the wrath of God taken from you. You don't experience any of it. You are purchased, redeemed at a price. And you're free to live now the life that God has given you. And you are justified by Christ. That you are declared by God to be fully righteous. Declared by God to be 
without debt to him. That his righteousness is now given to you. So when you get to heaven one day and he says, I need to see your notebook. I need to see your life, everything that you've ever done, and see if it measures up to my perfect standard. You can take that notebook with your picture on the front and with confidence hand it to the Father. And he opens it up and sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ accounted to you. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. And Christ is standing over there with your stuff, going, I became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. I took the certificate of debt which was against you and I nailed it to a cross so that you could experience justification and be justified. And so Paul's saying, I'm not just saying change your life, be more like Christ, renew your mind just because I want you to do it because of what's happened to you. There is an unshakable security that comes that he says in the therefore uh, there's this propitiation redemption justification all of this stuff and there's an unshakable security that also comes in Romans 8:28 for what can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus for the foreknowledge of God that God foreknew you and some of you would say well yes he looked through the portals of time and saw that I was going to choose him and therefore he chose me no 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 he looked through the portals of time and realized no one would choose me And so therefore, out of my great mercy and love, I will choose them. That I will act first. Because if I don't act first, if I don't forelove them, for yada them, if I don't intimately pour my love on them, their hearts will remain hard and they'll never seek me. No, not one. So I will change their hearts so that they will seek me. What a merciful and glorious God that he would do that. And based on what? How awesome you are. How good looking you are. You look good today. You dressed up nicely. But that's not why he did it. He did it to show his glory. He did it to show his mercy. There is a reason. A foundation. For now when he says. Okay. Bubba. All right sister. All right little one. I want you to conform to me. Not to the world. And you go, why? Oh, let me tell you why. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of what had happened. Let me remind you that he has taken you and plucked you out of death and given you life. Let me remind you of the beauty of the gospel. Preach that to your heart and you'll go, oh, okay. I'm good. Anything else you want me to do? Because in in light of what you've already done for me, what could I possibly give back to you? You want my life? You have it. You want my mind and my thoughts? You want my discipline? You want everything? You've got it. There's a foundation for it. And then there's a connectedness to celebration. We'll only touch this. To present, second thing, the relationship between renewal and celebration. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying this, God is worthy of your life. What he has done, it is worth your life. You were saying to him, God, I'm going to honor you and worship you through this, through the renewal of my mind, through the manner in which I live. I want to bring praise and glory to your name. I want to point people to you because you're worthy of it. You're worthy of it for what you have done, for who you are. So I'm not going to go into any more than that other than to simply say this. Recognize the connectedness of our mission. 
Celebration is not mutually exclusive from, from renewal, that they come together, that part of the way we celebrate and worship God is by the desire to renew our hearts and minds by the power of, his gospel, of the gospel uh, through his word and spirit. So what's the scope of this renewal? Some of you are going, okay, how far does this go? I'm sort of all in. That'd be great to hear, wouldn't it? In the beginning of your marriage, babe, I'm sort of all in. I just want to know how married we're going to be. I can't date other people. Mm. Can we work on that? She would walk away from you guys. And some of you, just as an aside, please, I never want to hear another man ever say, I'm not cheating, I'm just window shopping. If you think that honors anyone, you are nuts and crazy. Babe, I commit my life to you. I'm just going to ogle other women till the day we die. It doesn't work that way. And God's saying the same thing. I'm giving my son's full life for you to purchase you, to pardon you, to bring you to myself, to make you my son and daughter. And we look at him and go, how much do you want back? He says, I want the entirety of your life. Every bit of your life. The entirety of your life. The life of your mind and the life of your gifts. I want the entirety of your life. I want all of you, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind uh, that you come and present this as a living sacrifice. Interesting language of living sacrifice. A sacrifice is dead. A sacrifice dies. But he's saying this, I want you to live for me, but in living for me, there's going to be dying. You're going to have to die to the old self. You're going to have to die uh, to these old things, these old ways of self-determination, the old thought patterns that said you knew best for your life. You're going to have to die to that. And dying to that, guess what it feels like? Trusting in God, trusting in His hand and His sovereign plan and His provision in your life, it feels like dying some days, doesn't it? When you watch your marriage fall apart, when you watch a loved one die, when you watch a child rebel, when you watch your parents divorce, when you watch your dreams come shattering down, when you walk down a road that you never would have in your self-determined way walked down, and you look and you go, okay, God, here, it feels like dying, doesn't it? Have any of you all ever experienced the feeling of dying in God's plan for your life? Do this if you have. Look around. You're not alone because living sacrifices feel like dying a lot of times. So we die to those old passions. We die to Bill McCutcheon knows best. I'm not a selfish person. I just know what I like, when I like it, and how I like it. I don't find that selfish. I don't know what the problem is. And God says, I want all of your life. I want all of who you are. The gospel affects even your business and how you live in that way. I'll give you a quick example uh, from Francis Schaeffer. I used this when I preached on Romans 12 a while back. Francis Schaeffer gave the illustration uh, of applying to the life of a capitalistic business person uh, the gleaning laws of the Old Testament. You guys are familiar with the gleaning laws of the Old Testament, right? You read Leviticus recently and you know uh, that in the gleaning laws uh, of the Old Testament it said that if you were a, a farmer, and you would have been an agrarian culture, you're supposed to leave grain and seed on the edges. Why? To take care of the poor, to help take care of the widow, to take care of the orphan, to have a welfare way to take care of them. So what Schaefer said was this, here, now apply that to all of life. If you're a business owner, don't take all the profit out of your company. Leave some in 
to care for the needs of other people. Go against the conformity of capitalism which says, I'm going to take all that I can for myself. Biblical wisdom and worldview comes in and says, no, maybe if the church didn't buy into Western capitalism quite so much, we wouldn't be so angry with the government for not providing for the needs of other people because we would be. Because we wouldn't need the bigger fourth, fifth, sixth house, boat, car, motorcycle, private this, that, and the other. Maybe we would say, I can live on this much so that I can be generous with the rest of it. Now, preacher, you're getting into meddling. Went from preaching right into meddling. I know, you're not going to come back next week. But that's the places where he takes us. How do I operate my business? How do I study for my tests? How do I drive my car? How do I love my spouse? How do I raise my children? How do I respect my parents? How do I deal with all of these things? How, how do I view public policy? How do I view race? How, how do I view undocumented people in our country? How do I view the political system? How do I view the justice system? How do I view it all? The Bible has something to say within every category of it. And it affects us. But we don't want that. God, renew my life, but just please let me, let me like who I like and do what I like. So it's the entirety of life, and it's the life of the mind. It is the life of action, that entirety, but it is also the life of the mind, how we think. Don't think too highly of yourself, but think of yourself with sober judgment as you ought. What he's saying this, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too low of yourself. Just think of yourself less, and when you do think of yourself, at least be accurate about your thoughts. Be a sober judgment. How you think about yourself. Here's how you should think about yourself. You are a daughter or son of the king. Purchased at a great price. There is no shame. There is no guilt for you. You are loved and cared for. Provided for by a father who dotes on you. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who celebrate you, who love you, who encompass you. You are not an orphan. You are a child of God. So get that thinking right. So many of us enter into the world as orphans. God's forgotten me. God doesn't really love me. I may get to heaven, but it's only going to be, you know, I'll get a skateboard and they're getting Mercedes. Uh, I'm just going to get a little shack and they got a mansion. But hey, okay. And we have this. We need to know who we are. And we need to know right thinking of who he is. Who our father in heaven is. He said, so think rightly. Be accurate in the knowledge of who you are. And then use your gifts. He says, I want you. I want the entirety of your life. I want the life of your mind. And I want the use of your gifts. Everybody has a gift, it says here. And those gifts are unique and they're different. But you have them. Do you realize that? You have a gift to use within the context of God's kingdom work. His story that he is painting, the tapestry that he is weaving, includes you with a unique and beautiful role that no one else can fulfill unless you do it. And he's gifted you to do that. Now, it's different and unique from the gifts of the person next to you. How many of you would say that you're more on the extroverted end of the spectrum? A few of you. How many of you would say you're more on the introverted? You're not going to raise your hands. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I am, but I don't want anybody to notice me. So, Isn't it possible that an introvert and an extrovert could both have the gift of teaching? Same gift, 
different way that it would look in the world. Celebrate your difference, but the uniqueness of your gift and use your gift instead of saying, my gift's not as good as her gift. His gift is better than my gift. His is one of the cool gifts. I just got the service gift. No one notices me when I do my gift. Oh, my goodness, folks. You each have a gift and God's saying, I want you this renewal, this transformation that happens within your life. It even is in your view of how you use your gifts. Each person has a gift and each gift is unique. And the final thing that I'll say here is then what's the ultimate goal? Okay, Bill, I buy in that there's a reason, there's a foundation. It's a motivating one that I'm willing now to commit to work on how to change my life, to view it now in how I live, how I think, how I use my gifts. Uh, I'm all in with that. I recognize that it's a part of my worship to the Lord for me to do this. What's the end game? What's it all for at the end of the day? Well, you have to flip over to the end of Paul's writing to the Romans. And you have to recognize this. The goal, ultimate goal of this and all of life is the glory of the Lord. Soli Deo Gloria. Now to him who is able, this is Romans 16, verses 25 and 27. To him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for a long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. That is this renewal, this working hard, uh, this dying and living thing to the only wise God be glory forever and ever through Jesus Christ. Amen. The end and the purpose of our life, the end and the purpose of our renewal is to bring glory and honor to the Lord. It's to say, God, I want the world to see your glory and the glimpses of your glory through me. And I do not want to buy into the mission of the world. And the mission of the world is this, to conform you to it. The mission of Christ is to transform you from it. To live within the world but not be conformed to the world. To live within the world as a citizen of another place. To hold the values and the ethos and the mindset and the heart of someplace else while living here for a purpose of saying this. I want to change. I want to be different. I want to be more like Christ. Not so they can go, man, there's Bill McCutcheon. One of the best lines uh, from The Natural. The movie with Robert Redford and the baseball player Roy Hobbs is so upset that he's, that he's injured and no one's going to know him and he's talking to a person and they basically say, what's your problem? He said, I wanted to walk down the street and have people look and go, there goes Roy Hobbs, the greatest of all times. And this is saying, that's not the goal. It's too little. That's too small of a goal. Our goal is to walk down the street and have people look at your life and go, what an amazing and glorious God that could transform him and her and that family and hold that marriage together and do this incredible thing and could break down the things. It could use a storm to have us go down dirt roads and transform us forever. It could lead us in to places that we never would have gone. And instead of going, I want people to go, Bill McCutcheon, what an awesome guy. I want people to go, what an awesome God, because I know that guy. He's a jar of clay and broken. But look at the glimpses of glory that are coming out. Because if you put a light within a clay jar, the only way that people are going to see the light is if the clay pot is broken. And I'm saying, God, I want you to break me so that you can take away Bill McCutcheon so that they can see your glory in me. Wherever you are. This morning at the first service, 
the um, Coker and Ryan and Dave Spangler and Caleb joined the church. Coker is in middle school. And you go, well, how can this apply to a middle school student? She started a Bible study at the public school middle school with the two or three students. Just said, I'm going to start a Bible study. There are over 20 students who are coming. Many of them don't have church backgrounds. Because one young girl said, I want the glory of Christ to shine through me. And I'm going to start this here. And I'm going to do this. That after the storm, a few people got together and we flipped burgers. And we said, we just want to meet the needs of other people in our community. And by the end of it, 400 families have been served within our community through the generosity and faithfulness. And we're seeing God change our church. And we're seeing God change lives because of simple faithfulness. Saying, I want to see the glory of God work through me and us in the midst of this. Some of your families are transformed because you stood firm. That you came to faith. I've heard your stories that said, I'm going to be faithful to Christ even though my husband doesn't like that I've become a believer, even though my wife doesn't like that I've become a believer. I'm going to do this because I want them to see the glory of Christ. That's our goal. Soli Deo Gloria. To God be the glory in all things. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you don't leave us as we are. That you have compassion on us and mercy on us to change us into what we were designed to be vessels of your glory to shine into the world. That we are your sons and daughters. We're brothers and sisters of Christ, our elder brother. That we're one to another family and we go out in strength into this world though we're weak because we know whose we are and we know the King is with us and when the King speaks, creation shudders in His voice. And you speak over us and through us and by us. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for your mercy, which has been great to us. And we sing of that today. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. To you be all the glory. Amen. Let's stand and finish our time and sing of his mercy together.